Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Okay, welcome in to another edition of the Penn State Blitz podcast. We are not, unfortunately, in the Penn Live studios. We are doing this remote. I'm Bob Flounders, joined by Greg Pickle. Lots to get to every week. This week, it's going to deal all about James Franklin, his first news conference dealing with the coronavirus pandemic. How are he, his players, his family, and his coaches coping? James also talked about the potential impact of the coronavirus, not just as far as playing games, but also financially. We're going to get to some recruiting news with an offensive lineman for Penn State named Landon Tangwall. And Greg and I will, as always, will close with the Penn State mailbag. Greg Pickle, how are you? I'm holding up well, Bob. How are you doing? I'm good. You're in middle, you're in the Middletown area. I know that. I'm in I'm in downtown Harrisburg. We have uh, some people working with us, Martin and Mark, to put this thing together. We appreciate their help as well. Everyone, as far as I know, is safe, and that's the most important thing. I hope Lola's doing well, Greg. Let's get to we had a first chance to talk to James Franklin, I would say, in a little bit more than a month. We saw him at a, a weight training, Penn State weight training thing in February before things got super serious with the coronavirus, but we didn't get a chance to talk to him. We got, we got him for 45 minutes yesterday. He talked a lot about dealing with the coronavirus and really Penn State's football shutdown indefinitely, what, how, how it might be impactful long-term and short-term. Greg, what were some of the most striking comments from James Franklin in your mind? Yeah, you know, Bob, I thought it was obviously surreal to have that conversation, that interview opportunity with him over Zoom. You know, you you might not be able to run as fast as uh, Micah Parsons or hit as hard as some of these guys do or throw like Sean Clifford, but I think everyone is much like the Penn State football program now in finding ways to work remotely, use technology to work from home and so on. You know, at this, they do the best they can to make sure all their guys are healthy and safe and have access to be able to do schoolwork online. And then they're using the video conferencing to uh, to really take it to the next level in terms of trying to do some installation stuff and playbook stuff, even though they're not on campus. So, you know, obviously there's concerns here for, as James Franklin said, number one, the health and safety of everybody, but two, how long is this thing going to go and what will the financial impact on the athletic department be? Penn State, in a unique situation, Bob, in the sense that it's the football program basically supports all of the other uh, athletic teams at the school outside of maybe one or two. And with no NCAA tournament, you're going to see revenues go down in basketball, in wrestling. The money won't be as great. So there's some pretty big challenges here. And it's not a foregone conclusion that the 2020 season won't be impacted. So all of those things came out, but I was really just kind of struck by his tone and the fact that, you know, he said his family's on lockdown, his daughter has sickle cell anemia, and so they are sort of hunkering down, urging everyone to stay home, which has been the word here for the last, what, two weeks or so, and, you know, it was nice to have that sort of normalcy back of a spring news conference, Bob, but it certainly was unique. 
Yeah, and for those listening in, uh, Greg and I should probably point out, we, Greg referenced Zoom. That's, uh, that's a video chat app that a lot of college football teams are using to connect remotely, you know, using the Zoom app. You know, James can essentially have a, a team meeting with his coaches and his players uh, via computers or tablets or what have you, um, because everything has to be done remotely. James said, I think he has staff meetings every other day using the app. And I think that the team, the team meets roughly once a week. Uh, Greg, I'm just curious. They came through strength and conditioning a couple of weeks ago and Dwight Galt was really kind of excited about some of the gains that all of the, all the players made that were that took part the January enrollees and and the current members of the team guys added uh strength and 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 size and some guys I'm sure ran very well but with this now in place and most of the team at home there are some players still up in state college for various reasons do all those strength gains kind of go out the window because other than like body weight exercises at home, there's very little Penn State's players can do. And it also speaks to the fact that it's almost impossible. I think spring is technically suspended, but it's really over. You know, James was asked the question, how, how soon or how, what's the drop dead time for, for the team and coaches to get back to state college to begin preparations if they wanted to actually open their season on September 5th, which is the scheduled date for their opener against Kent State at Beaver Stadium. I think I think there is a timeline in play, and I think James has a lot of contingency, contingency plans, excuse me, in place. Yeah, he has to. And, you know, I'll, when you talk about the strength and conditioning stuff, did you happen to see the video of C.J. Thorpe pushing a car out in Pittsburgh? <laughs> no. I think that- C.J. might weigh as much as a lot, weighs about as much as a car in a good way. But, yeah, I, I bet you he can push a pretty big car. He did, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, the body weight stuff. James said that it's his opinion that you can get as much done with body weight as you can ever anything else. And I guess perhaps that's, you know, that might be true to some extent. But for the most part, uh, I do think that one of the biggest challenges and concerns is so guys might be able to somewhat maintain what they gained in spring. But, you know, this is a game where everyone plays it fast these days. Everyone hits as hard as they ever have. And it's going to be a safety question in my mind of when, how much time are you going to need to get these guys back in the weight room to get their bodies adjusted to, not that they want to be lethargic and sit around all day, but let's be honest, that's really kind of what we all have to do right now. So, you know, what's the timeline going to be? Is it 45 days? Is it 30 days? Will the different conferences change how they uh, do summer camp? You know, one thing, Bob, that was floated out there by the SEC uh, earlier this week was, what about the idea of OTA style practices? Maybe 10 of those, kind of like what the NFL does. And then you can start summer camp. The question there, of course, will be how much contact are you allowed to have? And are you trying to uh, put more padded opportunities in place? And what does that do for player safety? That was a concern long before the coronavirus ever was. So there's so many things to figure out. And I think the problem will become that the conferences have basically insulated themselves and Will there be an agreement nationwide on how to go about doing this stuff? Or will each conference kind of set its own rules? I think that's going to be the big sticking point for a lot of people moving forward. Yeah, Greg, to me, it feels like, uh, you know, no spring practice, assuming everything kind of returns a little bit to normal or I should say all the way back to normal and and they're given the go ahead. Doesn't it feel to you like maybe mid-July makes a lot of sense because 
you know, a normal August practice sessions concern consists of about three or four weeks, but they missed out on spring, Greg. So they're going to need at least another two weeks. I don't know if you, you agree or not, but does mid-July make some sense to you if they were going to try and start the season on September 5th? I think it does. So what I think you could see, Bob, is typically Big Ten media days are that last week of July, and then camp starts that first weekend in August. So part of me wonders if maybe they'll say, you can use two weeks in July to do half, maybe 25% contact, 75% non-contact work. At any point, it's your discretion. It depends on how you want to do it. Let's also keep in mind that this depends on, of course, the guidelines from the CDC and others allowing large group gatherings again by that time. But to me, I think what would make the most sense is, again, give them two weeks in July to do what um you know whatever they want to do whenever they want to do as long as you limit the contact and the wear and tear on these guys body and then you just go into your typical august camp in the summer um the way they have for years now so they'll definitely have to do something but there will be a lot of concerns i think about again what is the fairness level i guess you could say across the board from conference to conference team to team yeah and before we wrap up the first half of this penn state blitz podcast i thought it was uh Interesting to hear James' reaction about what he said about a question involving the financial impact of the coronavirus and maybe, you know, possibly either a delayed start, a limited season, or no season, and how that would not only impact Penn State University, but also the Penn State community, the bars, the restaurants, the hotels, because you, you and I know what a Penn State home football weekend means to the state college community financially. So there, there, is a, there is a Penn State football picture to consider, consider, but there's also a much bigger financial picture to consider when you're talking about Penn State football and the community. Absolutely. I just want to let Martin and Mark know that I figured out why my computer keeps making noises. So hopefully that's done for the rest of this it's Penn State It's driving Martin podcast. crazy. It is driving it is. Martin crazy. With good, with good reason. Sorry, Martin. But um. Yeah, I mean, that's the big concern, I think, at this point, is what is going to happen to these businesses, to these hotels, to the retailers at college if there is not seven home games that bring, you know, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people in the state college during the fall. That's uh, very much a concern. James Franklin talked about it. And the other problem, of course, is what happens to the athletic department? Keep in mind that this is a sustaining unit at Penn State. And again, you know, Mike Foreman had the numbers pretty much nailed from statecollege.com. In the last fiscal year that Penn State had the report uh, numbers, the football program's revenue was about eh, $100 million, maybe a little bit more. Bob, the, the revenue for the athletic department as a whole was $165 million. So it just goes to show you that Penn State's one of the many schools where football is king when it comes to bringing in the money and supporting all these other teams. I'm not saying that a canceled football season, which, you know, hopefully we don't get there, but I don't, it would, there would be drastic changes involved. I don't know if it would mean sports being cut or something else, but there's just a lot to figure out right now. And I thought James Franklin said it best, man. There's just, it's discomforting and uncertain times because you can't give anybody a plan. There is no playbook for this. There is no guideline in terms of a timeline to when things will be coming back to normal. So I think that's probably the biggest challenge all of these people face, especially somebody like James Franklin, who wants so badly to be organized and on top of everything, is that there's just no real way to do that right now until we figure out how to stop this coronavirus spread. Yeah. Uh, okay. So we're about halfway done 
with uh, the Penn State Blitz podcast. I'm Bob Flounders. He's Greg Pickle. And at the halfway mark, that can only mean one thing. Greg Pickle has some housekeeping, some house chores to get to in terms of uh, how to subscribe and all that good stuff. No question. So, yes, the Penn Live Penn State Blitz podcast does continue. It's actually in video form, too. You can find that at youtube.com slash all Penn State. Hopefully we'll be back in the studio with the guys soon, bringing some video content to you in person. But until then, uh, it's there at the YouTube channel. You can also find the podcast anywhere you get your streaming audio. We're a day late because of James Franklin's late Wednesday news conference. So this will be up a little bit later than expected. But most weeks you can find that Thursday morning at Penn Live. And the podcast is also over at Apple, Stitcher, etc. So please remember to like, rate, and subscribe. We're going to take a quick break and come back and talk some recruiting and, of course, the mailbag right after this. Okay, welcome back to the Penn State Blitz podcast, uh, remote edition. Um, Bob Flounders in Harrisburg joined you know, by Greg Pickle in Middletown. Greg, we talked about James Franklin's uh, news conference yesterday with the media on Wednesday afternoon. Some uh, very interesting uh, give and take there during 45-minute chat. We're going to have more from that uh, news conference in the podcast form, you know, next week, hopefully, and also on Penn Live with some of our stories. But Greg, been a little while since we've actually had some hard recruiting news to talk about with Penn State football. Finally, Greg, it appears that there is some recruiting news. I'm sure this will excite the fan base, but I believe Penn State is closing in or has already secured the services of a four-star offensive line recruit. Yeah, so let's just set up the disclaimer on this now. We're recording this at about 10 o'clock Thursday morning. Landon Tangwall, the four-star offensive tackle from Olney, Maryland, good counsel, P.J. Mustafer's uh, school, is committing uh, later today at noon. By the time you hear this, his decision will have already been made. I think we can talk about him as a commit, Bob. If he ends up picking Notre Dame, this will just be the latest prediction segment that uh, oh. I talked about in that can go away, kind of like my Minnesota prediction at the start of last year. Yes. Um, but let's talk about Landon as a Penn State commit. All the tea leaves as you and I sit here and talk about this are pointing to Penn State picking up its third class of 2021 commitment, and he'll be the top-rated player by far. That's no slight to Nate Bruce, the Harrisburg lineman, or Liam Clifford, the brother of Sean, and receiver out of Ohio. But Tangwall is just one of the nation's top offensive linemen and top players, period. Rivals has him inside his top 30, regardless of position. The 247 mm. composite has him number 45 overall and is the number seven offensive tackle. Bob, this is Phil Troutline's first big win as yeah. Penn State's offensive line coach, but you have to give credit to Matt Limegrover at least a little bit for this one because he played a significant role in developing a good early relationship with Tangwall. And the other thing, too, is Tyler Bowen did a lot of work on this, and James Franklin helped close the deal, too. So this is a guy who I don't know if he's going to come in and play right away, but he's already 6'6", 300, Bob. He moves extremely well. Penn State will have a need at tackle next year, I assume, with Will Fries probably finishing up his Lions career after this year. They have a lot of talent on this roster for that spot, but uh, Tangwall is the kind of guy that, again, we've talked so often about for Penn State to take the next step, they have to be better in the trenches. He is a guy that makes them much better in the trenches. 
Okay, Greg, so two quick follow-ups on Tangwall. Can you just tell the audience who were maybe the prime schools uh, that were in the hunt for Tangwall? And also, you know, this gives them three. Obviously, you know, recruiting has very much been slowed due to uh, issues beyond Penn State's control. But does this kind now they have two offensive linemen in the fold for 2021. Do you, is there going to be kind of a run of offensive linemen? Are there some other offensive linemen you feel that Penn State feels pretty good about, you know, maybe in the coming months, trying to add them to what, you know, a class that's just getting started? Yeah, it's a great question, Bob. So with Tangwall, I think the number of schools that were after him was well over 20. Notre Dame, I think, was the one besides Penn State. Notre Dame's the other finalist, and they're the one that really kind of stood out. He was pretty interested in Michigan for a point in time, too. but. This is a case where Penn State has always been seen as the leader, and I think that they would have got his commitment no matter what happened in the wide world of coronavirus pandemics, but he didn't really have the chance to go visit some other places that he may have wanted to go see. It's possible, I think, that had he had the chance to take visits this spring and summer, he could have maybe wanted to delay his decision. I I think it's very, very doubtful because Penn State had done such a good job of getting out in front of this commitment and setting itself up for success. But Yeah, Michigan and Notre Dame seem to be the two schools that really were in the hunt here. But, you know, I I think of it as a blowout horse race. You know, the Lions were in the front from the beginning and never really gave up that positioning. So when you look at the rest of the class of 2021, I think this is a year that you're looking for some tackles. There's no question about that. Tangwall topped the board uh, along with Nolan Rucci, the five star out of Warwick, uh, you know, uh, Pennsylvania and or Warwick High School down in uh, Lidditz, Pennsylvania, rather. Uh, he's still sort of picking through his options. You know, Clemson's a school that he's interested in. He's uh, there's, you know, he has his pick of the litter really when it comes to where he wants to go. And then the other one's Tristan Lee. He just got five star status from two four seven Sports, a number fifteen player in the country, number four offensive tackle. That's going to be a bit harder of a pool, but I think if they can get Rucci in the mix, Bob, they're going to be very happy with how things work out. Besides Clemson, Notre Dame's also in play there as well, as is Wisconsin where his brother plays. Of course, Nolan and his family have pretty deep Penn State roots too. So Lions look good in that one. I think the other question that's going to be asked now, Bob, is does this mean Penn State's going to start to get on a recruiting commitment run? Yeah. Quite frankly, I don't think so, only because of the times that we're in and the fact that you can't visit campuses right now. If things were to clear up quickly and the visits were start to happen again sooner rather than later, that could be the case. But I just think for right now that the way things are going and the way things are trending, the only kind of commitments you're going to get are from a kid like Landon Tangwall, who you were probably always going to get it right. from. Uh, you were just dying to get a horse racing reference in this podcast. Just admit it. Between that and gambling, I know I know you're probably, probably driving you crazy, but I appreciate the horse racing reference, Greg. Let's close it down now, Greg. Uh, we talked recruiting. We talked James Franklin's news conference. We talked about his concerns about you know the start of the season and also how the uh, how the remote uniqueness of the coronavirus has kind of impacted his ability to hold his team together. Uh, there's only one thing left to do in my mind, Greg, and that's close with a Penn State mailbag. What's on your mind? What can I answer for you? And let's just keep these questions above board this time. Yeah, that sounds like a good plan to me, Bob. Let's start with yesterday's call with Franklin. We wrote a couple of things each about the impact uh, financially and how much time they could need to get ready to play and James Franklin's sort of thoughts on the pandemic. 
What's the one thing we didn't get to yet uh, for a story on Penn Live that kind of stuck out to you from that call? I don't know. He he just he's talked just generally. I'm just real curious. I'm I'm very curious about trying. You know, they have four new assistant coaches, but really, the guy that I think is most intriguing is Kirk Sharaka from Redland High School, the Minnesota OC who Penn State and James Franklin picked to replace Ricky Ronnie, who took the Old Dominion head coaching job after the regular season. Kirk did a tremendous job at Minnesota. He made that offense look almost unstoppable when Penn State faced them in November. Minnesota actually upset Penn State. It, it looks like there are a little bit more layers to that version of the RPO, the run pass option offense, than Ricky Ronnie had. I, I might be mistaken. And when you're trying to install a new offense, you know, via via computer or via, you know, the virtual classroom, it's just not the same, Greg, as putting it into 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 play during spring practice and early in August. I think that really is probably something that we talked about Penn State and the other schools needing more time once this pandemic hopefully concludes or goes away sooner rather than later. It takes some time. You can't just do it in three weeks. Um, that's why missing spring, I think it's so critical or so important for Penn State. My question is, James can talk about it in the abstract, but really, in his mind, uh, how much time do you think he really needs to get Kirk and the players, the repetitions and the classroom work and the coaching and all of that to get that offense up and running, up and running, you know, not, not only when the, when, not only when the season resumes, but also when the big 10 play resumes. Also, Greg, I don't know if you remember, James talked about, you know, timetable for getting the players on campus to get ready for September 5th, if September 5th was possible. And he said, you know, I wanted to talk to my strength coaches. I wanted to talk to my trainers. I wanted to talk to my coordinators. He, he said he has his answer and his timetable, you know, his, his version of that, but he wouldn't give it to us. I'm very curious what James Franklin thinks is the, the necessary amount of time he would need to get this team thoroughly prepared to play in early September. I have to think it's at least six weeks. What about you? Yeah, I would say that that's probably the absolute minimum. And when you talk about the timeline for the offense, Bob, I think at minimum you need 10 additional practices plus the normal summer camp allotment to get that dialed in. Maybe you could get away with five. It just depends how much, you know, the one thing he said I thought was funny, he said that, that you know, we're not going to be Minnesota. We're not going to be Penn State. We spent a lot of time merging the two of them. But he also said there's only one scheme that they're going to implement that they hadn't before that's going to be a major part of that offense. So I'm curious what that means, whether it's under center packages or which Kirk seems to say that they're not going to do. So we'll have to wait and see what exactly that little wrinkle entails. It's what I think he said it, too. It's one thing to do it all over the computer. And, and look, I mean, everyone's working from home. Everyone's finding ways to adjust. But I don't think you can uh, take for granted that muscle memory that ability to get out on the field with guys and throw the ball around and do what you need to do to make this offense work. Keep in mind, Phil Troutwine's going to have some new blocking things to teach yeah. as well. So I can appreciate James Franklin saying that a lot of what they're going to do is similar, but I don't think you can sort of, I just don't think you can underestimate the idea of getting the guys out there on the field and together. And we just don't know when they're going to be able to do that again at this point. Okay, Greg, I got one for you. It's a two-parter. It's a personnel question. Is it a big deal that wide receiver Matt Hibbenhammer has given up his career as a wideout to play baseball, which he's really good at? 
And also Theo Johnson's shoulder injury. It would have forced him out of spring practice if it had gone on as scheduled. Is he maybe a little bit more injured than people realize? And it was, was it ever realistic to expect him to contribute at some point in 2020? Yeah, so on Hippenhammer, obviously I think it's a disappointment because he was pretty interesting as a recruit coming out of high school. But ultimately, I think we saw that the it's really hard to play two sports at the college level and go to school and do everything else that these guys are asked to do. And it just didn't. It did feel like it was going to come to a head eventually where he had to pick one or the other. I think baseball is something that he has a obviously a, a major passion for. So uh, good for him for making that decision. Good for Franklin and baseball coach Rob Cooper for helping make that transition easy over the last couple of years. So I don't think it's the end of the world. As for Theo Johnson, I'm starting to wonder now if, yeah, so he got hurt at the Under Armour All-American game pretty early on down there. I just wonder if he maybe had some kind of a procedure that held him out during winter workouts, probably would have kept him limited or not even involved in spring practice. With the delay now, Bob, anything's possible. Anyone who was banged up could suddenly be healthy and ready to go by the time uh, whatever spring practice or summer camp looks like rolls around. So uh, I still think we could see him contribute probably just in that four game or less role, though. I do think the, the stage is set for Brenton Strange to really make a nice push here maybe become that tight end number two that Nick Bowers turned into last year. And I think Zach Koontz could see a little bit of time this year as well. Yeah, Zach's up to 254. Good for him. If Theo's limited, I think the between him and Strange, one of those guys is going to have to definitely step up. They want to use two tight ends. Greg, uh, before we conclude this Penn State Blitz podcast here in late March, the remote edition, uh, any final mailbag thoughts or questions? Yeah, let's just end it with this, Bob. What's the one thing you've learned about life during your self or social distancing and quarantine? Not quarantine because you're not sick, but your time at home. What have you learned? Yeah, knock on wood with the not sick thing. Yes, I am healthy. You know what? I I think what the one a couple things that I've learned is uh, I never realized how quiet downtown Harrisburg could actually be, especially on weekends. I'm glad that it is. It, se- it seems like, Greg, the social distancing measures Governor Wolf has asked, at least for the city of Harrisburg, it seems like people are definitely paying heed to these. It's very quiet uh, in the city. I'm glad that it is. I will say this. I never realized how, how valuable of a resource Netflix is for downtime. I'm watching some good shows. Maybe we can talk about some Netflix recommendations, Greg, on our next Penn State Blitz, because I certainly been entertained but yes i'm staying safe i hope you're staying safe uh, any thoughts from you on the uh on the social distancing end or anything you've learned in the last two weeks i'll say this at times you need to social distance from your dog if you have one because <laughs> they can get a little bit out of a little bit bored and a little bit rambunctious especially at the worst times as i hear our three-year-old golden retriever upstairs barking probably at the trash man so um, no, I think that um, obviously the one thing is that we've been, uh, you know, doing what we can to stay healthy and stay safe and encourage that for everybody else. But uh, we also realize that a lot of people are looking for other things to read about and talk about. So uh, we'll keep having Penn State offerings over at penlive.com yep. slash Penn State football. And I, I think maybe my big takeaway from this whole last couple of weeks and listening to James Franklin is the sooner we all do what we can to help stop the spread of this, Bob, the soon we can get back out and about. That's where well, I'm at with it at this point. Well said, Greg. And if a rambunctious golden retriever is the worst thing about this pandemic for you and Maddie, then I think you're in good shape. Hopefully that's the Amen. Thing. 
hopefully it stays that way. All right. Well, that'll wrap up this week's edition of the Penn Live Penn State Blitz podcast. Bob, I won't ask you to recite the next part of this, but remember, <laughs> videos are at youtube.com slash allpennstate. You can subscribe, Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your audio. Stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll see you next week. Bye.